There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmac Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmac Cross Credit Union on Neil Street or at cartmaccrosscu.ie. Thursday morning, the 23rd of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. Voting in the European elections is underway in the United Kingdom as well as in the Netherlands and on the islands here off the coasts of Donegal, Mayo and Galway. Polls open elsewhere here at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Polls open in the Czech Republic tomorrow too. Other vote-wise, voting will take place in the other 24 countries over this weekend with the first indications of the results not known until 10 o'clock on Sunday night when the polls close. The 28 countries will be electing 751 MEPs. This will reduce to 705 MEPs after Brexit. Here we elect just 13 MEPs, but two of those will not take up their seats until after the United Kingdom has left the European Union. Three million Irish people have a vote, while 360 million people are eligible to vote across the 28 EU countries. Our focus today will be on the next European Parliament and we will host two debates with eight candidates from this constituency, the Midlands North West, this morning. Let's begin, though, with Karen Coleman, who's the editor with Europarl Radio, which reports from the European Parliament in Strasbourg and in Brussels. Good morning to you, Karen, and thanks for joining us on this most important of days for some, because some people, I think, will vote because they mistakenly believe it can determine policies on issues like housing or health services. Others might vote for a personality that they like. Others might think it's a very expensive way to decide what the shape of bananas should be and not vote at all. But if people do vote... How will their vote influence the way they and others live their lives? Well, good morning to you, Mike, and apologies if there's background noise um, while we're talking because I'm at an airport terminal here in France. I mean, of course, you know, it's always difficult to get people interested in European elections because it's far away. Strasbourg and Brussels, where the European Parliament has two parliaments, are far and people sometimes don't know what's going on. But the reality is the European Parliament has been increasing in terms of its influence. It now has co-decision-making powers with 
um, the European Council. And of course, the Commission is the institution that actually creates the laws. But it's very important, I think, particularly for Ireland and particularly as we face more uncertainty with Brexit, for Irish people to be aware of what's going on at a European level and indeed to be able to know that they have a good MEP in the Parliament who may be lobbying on their behalf or who may be pushing the Irish case in terms of Brexit, but certainly somebody who is across what's going on there because EU... The, what's going on in the EU certainly influences our lives. It doesn't, as you say, necessarily have an impact on housing and domestic issues that are of importance to people, but it's still very important for us to know what's going on at the EU level. So if the MEPs aren't deciding housing policies or the shape of bananas, uh, what do they decide on? Well, there are a number. You see, the, the way it works is the European Commission proposes laws and then those laws have to be approved now in most cases because of these co-decision powers that were given to the European Parliament. They have to be approved by both the European Parliament and by the European Council, which is the heads of the EU 28 member states. So certainly over the last uh, number of years, and particularly over the last administration, the five-year administration of the, cur- of the now out of the European Parliament, those MEPs were looking at laws that were coming through. They were looking at proposals. They can also mm-hmm. help to maybe suggest laws that might be important as well. And I think what's important is they're across the EU budget. They have powers in terms of now what way the EU budget is going to be spent. They also have powers in terms of commissioners that are going to be proposed. So they have a a number of, I suppose, oversight powers, and certainly they have been increasing. But I think Mm. what's also important, Mike, is, you know, if you have a good MEP, they should be clued into what's going on within the European Council. How do people feel about various different and things that are going on. There are 20 parliamentary committees that, you know, these, this is where really the power brokering goes on. And I think what, you know, MEPs will tell you is it's very important for the MEP to be in a parliament that matters to them, or a, a, a political, par- a, 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 a committee at least that matters mm-hmm. to them, a group, and, and, and the grouping mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the way, you know, that the groups that they go into and the committees, importantly, that they get on are very important. Okay, because uh, the decisions that are, are made in the European Parliament can have a a very significant impact on the lives of people living in this country and across the 28 European countries, as farmers probably will know without giving it too much thought because of uh, how cap is distributed, uh, fishermen the same because of fisheries policies. Uh, Things like climate change, uh, which are very much to the fore uh, of people's minds uh, going into these elections, migration uh, and issues like this. But we've just got 13 MEPs or 11 MEPs before Brexit, as the case may be, out of this total of 751. So we've very little clout, but it comes down to the groupings that you mentioned. The European People's Party, one of the bigger groups in the existing parliament, Fine Gael, a member of that. And I think there's going to be a change, or at least they're expecting a change after this election, because it's the European People's Party and the Socialists and Democrats that would have always held a majority, and they're expecting that there could be a rise in popularity for other groupings which could see a change in the makeup of how the parliament thinks. Yes, no, absolutely, Mike. Um, The polls are showing that there is going to be an increase in the more radical representation parties 
after these elections, particularly far-right parties. So we're seeing in particular, you know, Marine Le Pen's Rassemblement National, her party is set to gain more MEPs in the European Parliament. So too, you have the League in Italy, um, led by Matteo Salvini. I was reading an interesting piece about him. He's the Deputy Prime Minister in Italy. Mm. Um, and how he has transformed that party and he's been campaigning all over the place very, very busy attending rallies, likely to get a significant chunk of the Italian vote. And of course, we're seeing just in the UK, the Brexit party led by Nigel Farage is set to take maybe a whopping between 35, maybe to 36% of the vote. He's certainly going to gain in terms of the number of seats representing his new party in the European Parliament. So I think we're definitely going to see an increase in the far-right parties and probably the sort of radical left parties as well. Now, the the interesting thing is, to what extent will increase in radical parties and representation influence the way the parliament works? Because they don't have a very good history in cooperating. And certainly, you know, radical left and, and far right parties don't cooperate. So it's debatable to what extent are they actually going to really influence and, and, and maybe destabilize the way the parliament has been operating. And I mean, the EPP and the SND, as you mentioned, they're still going to have significant voting powers and they'll still return quite a number of MEPs, uh, unless there's going to be a major shift to the right and to the left. And some cooperation, at least in terms of the campaign, because Salvini, not just surging in the polls in Italy, but unifying the far right across Europe and people would have seen uh, people from across all of the European countries uh, meet in Milan last weekend. Oh yeah, I mean, do not enter, underestimate this guy, Matteo Salvini. I mean, he's been, his rise to power, particularly, I think he took over uh, what was the Northern League in 2013. He has transformed this party and he has his finger on the pulse in terms of stuff that is really angering people out there and going to make them vote for the more radical parties. You mentioned immigration. It's probably the one unifying issue across you know, certainly continental Europe. I've been in in France over the last week or so here in in southern France and, you know, people are talking about immigrants and the need to do something about the flow of of migrants and refugees into Europe and that is going to continue. And Salvini is very interesting because when he started originally as part of the Northern League they were scathing about southern Italians. They wanted to separate from Italy. That was Mm. their original philosophy. Now he recognises that he can tap into this surge in popularity in terms of the populist parties and the anger at immigrants and, and he's unifying um, northern, you know, southern and northern Italian anger at what's happening with immigrants coming into the country. So that is a very big unifying issue and you know it is something that the Parliament and the European Council and, and obviously the EU member states are going to have to come to terms with once this new administration comes into place. All right. Uh, the big irony of these elections, of course, lies within the United Kingdom. Uh, the United Kingdom should have left the European Union before now. Uh, the 31st of March, if I remember correctly, was uh, the original date. Uh, but uh, the British people are out voting for the next people to represent them in the European Parliament. I think UKIP won 24 seats last time around. They may increase that, as you say, by some 50%. Uh, what is all of this going to mean? Uh, because uh, there could be many Eurosceptic politicians elected to the European Parliament. Is there the prospect of the Parliament imploding from within? 
Well, I don't know about imploding from within, but certainly, I mean, I think it just in terms directly, in in terms of the Brexit vote, um, you know, if, as predicted, Nigel Farage comes back with a significant increase in his vote and that for his party, and we see more Eurosceptic MEPs coming from the UK and other places, then, of course, he will he will say this is a vote for Brexit. This, you know, reinforces the fact that Britain should be out of the EU. And of course, if you have more Eurosceptics MEPs in there, they will also be beating that drum. And I think we are probably going to see this over the next five years, this whole Eurosceptic thing being played out at a European level. You know, there is definitely a big chunk of the electorate out there who are very suspicious of what's happening in the EU. And they're confusing, I think, globalisation and the effects of globalisation with the European Union. They think all the stuff that's bad is is because of Brussels bureaucrats. But, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's the way they view that. And I don't think that that's going to change in the next few years. And it probably is going to be a very big issue. Um, You know, how do we tackle that deep on, you know, very unpopular um, in terms of the Brussels being seen as very unpopular and, you know, the whole of the EU being seen as unpopular. So I think it's it's going to be something that EU leaders and the European Parliament are going to have to deal with over the next few years. OK, Karen, listen, uh, we'll be back next week uh, dissecting the numbers and I hope you'll be able to make some sense of it for us and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. That's Karen Coleman, editor with Europarl Radio, which reports from the European Parliaments in Brussels and Strasbourg. Michael Michael Reed on LMFM. Tomorrow, when you go to vote in uh, the European elections, uh, there's uh, 17 candidates in this constituency to choose from. And uh, today on the programme, in two separate debates, we'll hear from eight of uh, the candidates. Four separate candidates join us now. Dominic Hannigan of uh, the Labour Party, Peter Casey, Independent, Dermot Mulcahy, an Independent, and Fidelma Healy-Eames, also an Independent candidate. Good morning to each of you and thank you for coming in to us for the last of uh, the debates before the moratorium kicks in at lunchtime today. Uh, I'm going to start left to right and ask each of you for uh, an opening statement uh, before we begin our debate. So if we could begin with uh, Dermot Mulcahy, please. Uh, Good morning, Michael, and good morning, listeners. Uh, Thank you so much for inviting me here this morning. Uh, Dermot Mulcahy is my name. I'm standing as an independent in this constituency. I'm in Galway. I'm originally from West Kerry but I've been in Galway for about the last 20 years. So who's Dermot Mulcahy? I'm a member of the Council for the West, and I was elected chairman back in uh, last summer. I'm a former board member of the Western Development Commission, former chair of the County Community Forum in Galway, and was also chair of the National Four Chairs Network. I was the founding vice chair of the County Galway LCDC, I'm a former chairman of the Irish Salmon Growers Association, former member of the IFA National Council. I'm also the former chair of the Green Party's National Council. I've done lots of stuff in business, in community, done lots of stuff in representational areas. I have a lot of experience in Europe. I was lucky enough to lead a number of initiatives in Europe where we took on non-European salmon farming industries who were bringing salmon into the European Union. And we were looking for minimum import prices to be imposed on those industries, and we were successful. I've also helped negotiate the common fisheries policy between fishing organisations and international environmental NGOs. I know where the money is in Europe, and I want to be able to go out to Brussels and represent communities. I'm very much about people, about sustainable communities. I'm very passionate about Ireland and about what Ireland stands for. So, 
I'd love to represent you out there. Thank you. Uh, the Labour Party candidate with us is Dominic Hannigan. Thank you, Michael. Good morning. Um, as you know, I represented the area of Meath as a councillor, then as a senator, then as a TD for over a decade, and I bowed out of politics uh, a few years back. But I had uh, thought about it and thought about the decision and decided to re-enter based on a number of, of, of issues. The first was Brexit, the second was uh, the election of Donald Trump, and the third was the rise of populists across Europe and here in Ireland. And I thought, you know, it, it scared the life out of me. I thought I need to do something about it. I can't lead leave others shape our future. Uh, so I decided to re-enter the race here. Um, I'm an engineer by profession. I like to build. I was the chair of the Good Friday Agreement and the European Union Affairs Committee. So I understand the issues like Brexit. I want to work with others across Europe to tackle issues like climate change, to make sure that we get investment into our towns and into our cities and to try to improve uh, the conditions for people at work. So I'm hoping to get uh, the support of people tomorrow and I'm asking for their number one vote. Thank you. Fidelma Healy Eames is also an independent candidate. Thank you very much. Michael and good morning listeners. I am, my name is Fidelma Healy Eames. I'm an independent candidate for, for Europe. I'm a Galway woman, a parent, a teacher with a PhD in education. I'm also a former senator, experienced politician and was member of the EU Affairs Committee. It has become evident to me that key concerns of the Irish people are not listened to and acted on by government. In 2007, when I raised the issue of cervical smear tests being outsourced to US labs with the Minister for Health, I wasn't listened to. We now know that this inaction has cost women's lives. Irish women's tests are still being sent to those very same labs today that have failed us. In 2013, my political career was cut short when Fine Gael refused me the right to a conscience vote on abortion. Whether you agree with me or not, the right was honoured in most Western democracies, but not here. Many of our people are feeling unrepresented by our Dublin-centred government, and this has been a key motivation for me entering this race. Our commuter belts are expanding and most people's, a lot of time, quality time is spent behind the wheels of cars. Rural Ireland is in decline. We have a drugs and crimes epidemic now that's out Mm. of hand. I'm finding families under stress, waiting for mental health services for their their young people, for a hospital bed, for a home. We'll come back to some of those And if I could just sum up with one Mm -hmm. final Mm -hmm. sentence. Mm -hmm. The Irish government has failed us on, on these issues. Where there's no political will here, I will seek solutions through Europe and I know what is possible as a result of being on the EU Affairs Committee. Okay, so the, thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. The third independent candidate with us is Peter Casey. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Michael, we've got the biggest crisis coming towards Ireland since World War II. Um, just to give you some numbers here. Uh, since Brexit, uh, last year 820,000 people were issued Irish passports last year. Since January the 1st to March the 16th of this year, 225,000 applications for passports were received. Um, another couple of numbers, um, you know, that we uh, in the United Kingdom, there were 225,000 people a year on average have been coming into the UK from EU countries simply because it's a English-speaking country. It, when Brexit comes and they're not able to go to an English-speaking country, Ireland is their only alternative. Now, we've got 200 nationalities here in Ireland. It's wonderful. We've got a great diverse race, uh, population, and I welcome that. Uh, we have a shortage of skills non-skilled labour. We absolutely need more people. Ireland can accommodate more people because we had 4 million 
people additional 200 years ago. But what we cannot handle is the spongers that are coming here, the welfare tourists who are coming here simply because we've got one of the best welfare benefits in Europe. We can't afford the people who are here illegally. We mm. absolutely cannot. We, they, we need to look after the Irish people here, the people in Ireland, and we need to look after the Irish people abroad first and foremost. And that is, if you look at Ireland now, uh, rural Ireland has, is in life support and we need to help rural Ireland and we need to make changes to our migration policy immediately. Thanks, Michael. All right. Uh, can you uh, outline your experience of spongers? Um, yeah. 25% of the population in, in social housing in Dublin is non-Irish. 25% non-Irish. You know, so you know people who come here, and uh, we absolutely need people who are prepared to put their shoulder to the mm. wheel. People who are prepared to work. We we need more people like that. And they're but spongers, are they? No, they're not mm. the spongers. The people that are no, not. No, no, the, the people, people who are the housing. people who are in coming over here and expecting mm. to be housed and expecting to be looked after. Those are the people we cannot afford. Okay, Fidel Mahaly, do you I, agree with that? Or well, uh, just following on from that, I think we need to give this issue a bit of perspective and we should look at real facts. Mm. The 2017 census said the following, one third of the people returning to Ireland are Irish citizens. Mm. They have an absolute right to be here. One third, of the people com- one third of the people coming into our country are European citizens. They have a right to be here. We have another third outside of the EU. Mm. Now, of course, we have limited resources, but we also have skills shortages in specific areas and we need to pursue that. We have people fleeing war mm. and we have obligations. And, you know, I'm a caring, compassionate person and I would like to see, that, you know, I'd like to think that we could have everybody. Mm. That is not necessarily the case. But we have a goal here. By 2040, the government says we want to grow the population to six million people. But let's look at how we want to grow that. We need an absolute reasoned debate. Mm. Do we want a more religious community? Do you follow me? Do we want, like if we want more Catholic Mm. people coming here, well then you're talking about more Filipinos, more Nigerians, or do we want a more secular community? None of us, sorry, we shouldn't, excuse me, we shouldn't, excuse me, we shouldn't, Peter, do not cut across me. I will cut across you if you want, we're not going to, we're not going to decide, we're not going to decide All Peter is trying to do here is scaremonger, scaremonger, scaremonger. What's clear, Michael, is 24, Michael. Let me finish my point. The Irish population and the Irish government need to lead a reasoned, rational debate on how we're going to grow our population. And I I want to Mm. say, obviously, my first priority would be Irish citizens being attracted back here and to invest in rural Ireland. Thank you. Dominic Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that 24 hours out from an election, Mm. uh, this is not a topic that you're going to get any sense from most people on. Of course we need a reasoned debate in this. We need a reasoned mm. debate with experts in the fields, with academics who understand the issues. And Peter, with all due respect... Ordinary people understand you know, the issues too. Due, yeah, time. Yeah, we need a reasoned yeah. debate. And I'm yeah. like You're now cutting across me, by the way. Um, but what we need to see is like people like Peter have no interest in this. They've no history in this. They only raise this issue when it comes to election time. He raised it first in the presidential election. Excuse me, I raised it. And now you're raising it. This is just a stunt, Peter. People can see that for what it is. The reality is this. This country needs migrants. It needs migrants. If you go down to the Lourdes Hospital, look at the people who are looking after our loved ones. It's people from other countries. And if they weren't there, they wouldn't be looked at. Our people wouldn't be looked after. So we need to make sure that those people are welcomed and that 
they are that we are tolerated towards them. Right. We okay. have to, and Peter, your language, let, let, your let, language let, let, allows others. I, I want to hear from everybody first. I want to hear from Dermot Mulcahy first. He hasn't had, uh, language, spoken on this. Dermot Mulcahy is Dominic, Dominic, just one second. Towards hatred. Okay, Dermot. Dermot. Uh, thanks, Michael. Um, I love participating in a fair debate, mm. and I've taken on this uh, this campaign decided not to slag anybody so I'm here to, to comment and to add a hopefully to the whole discussion in terms of migrants I've done actually a lot of work with the whole migrant community I've worked with Africans I've worked with Poles, I've worked with people from all sorts of nationalities mainly in Galway I see people that are here and I get that there's there's the possibility that some people are trying to come here because they can avail of extra services and there's an awareness that Ireland actually is a very kind, giving country for people from foreign countries. But there are a lot of people here that maybe don't necessarily want to be here, but they have to be here because there are some form of migrant from war-torn areas or some other things that are going on in their own countries. I think we need to be compassionate. For them to mention the word compassion, we do need to be compassionate. Peter has mentioned that he thinks that there may be too many freeloaders. I'm not sure. But I do get that as a nation... What I want to be is I want to be part of a compassionate nation that actually is willing to reach out to people. We do need to filter who's coming. Okay, let's let, let, so, let, let's yeah. take that thought and expand it a little bit further because, Peter Kayser, I think you said all Irish people should be welcomed back to Ireland and people coming from war-torn areas Absolutely. should be welcomed Absolutely. into this country. Genuine, what, genuine what, 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 what about Lisa Smith? Genuine. Former member of the Defence Forces, uh, worked on the government jet, remembered by Dermot O'Hearn, remembered by Bertie O'Hearn, uh, became radicalised, went to Syria, is now in a, a Syrian refugee camp uh, and an ISIS bride. Should she be welcomed back here? Um, it's a tough one. You know, she's got a child and the child isn't responsible for the parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've got compassion. I would let her back because of the child. But if she didn't have a child, I wouldn't, quite frankly. She made a choice and... I'd let her live her right. choice, but she has a child who's an Irish citizen, and the child shouldn't be. Uh, and how how would you stop her coming back if she didn't have a child? Uh, well, I, I would just not let her into the country. <laughs> you know, okay. oh, sorry. Mm. So, uh, so you'd ignore you'd, you'd ignore the constitution. No, no, she's. I, I, I know. I said ignore she, she's human broken rights. The law. She's broken the international law. She's broken law. the law. And uh, so if she's, you know, if she's allowed legally in, then obviously let her back in. I mean, if she's mm. made decisions to go and, and uh, radicalise herself, then, you know, that's fine. Uh, and what, what about young people uh, who wish to go away and experience life Absolutely. in Europe uh, for Irish people who want to go and live in Germany over the course of the summer? Um Absolutely. If they, as long as they don't go there and expect to get looked after totally by, you know, there is a price that you pay for you're saying this up as you go along. You're making this up as you go along. If you're saying, Peter, as you're saying, here's, here's the thing. There's we so cannot, many things to talk about in relation to the European elections. Yeah. And this is we, just mm. rubbish. We cannot. Ten minutes left to talk about climate change, to talk about agriculture. You have, you have, you have, you have in effect said that Irish people shouldn't be allowed to go to Germany. Excuse me, let me explain. If we're going to, if we're saying we cannot afford to open up the floodgates to everybody from yeah. Europe who wants to come here, you're absolutely right. right. The, the alternative, okay. the, 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 the reciprocal of that is that the Irish people who want to go and live in Romania can't go to Romania. Okay. For, exactly. Okay. You know, so, well, yeah, there, that's, that's, a, that's a message yeah. for young people who are thinking they maybe of going go away for Romania. the summer. Let's talk about Brexit because there's the Prime Minister... The final line on this, Michael. The problem here is there's no plan. The problem here is there's no migration plan. Let's talk about Brexit. That's why we need to complete this. impacts on people 
Indeed. Dermot Mulcahy, the British Prime Minister, is on the brink of resigning. Uh, how, how important is that relative uh, to the elections? Is it more important, uh, 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 do you think, uh, at this stage uh, for people listening to us than who they select to be their next MEP? I listen with interest to the whole Brexit debate. <clears throat> I was actually speaking to a gentleman from Yorkshire. I met him up in Keely Beggs day before yesterday. We were standing in the pier in Keely Beggs looking at the boats and I said, so what do you make of this whole Brexit thing? And he said to me, well, I did vote for it, but I just wish they'd get on with it. As he saw it, the English government had been given an instruction to exit the European Union and that hasn't happened yet. How important is it about Theresa May? Look, I wish her well. I'm sure she works very, very hard. But to me, it's all smoke screens. I think the British Parliament, the British people, need to get on with whatever they're getting on with. It's creating huge uncertainty in Ireland and elsewhere because of the delays. So the farming community are looking to get emergency payments because there's issues around the prices they're getting around this. Communities are wondering what's coming. Now, a lot of people are saying, OK, it's going to happen, whatever is going to happen. Mm. How important is it about Theresa May? I think it's just all smoke screens. So is it hugely important? In the greater context, not really. Somebody's going to lead Britain, whoever that will be. I wish Theresa May very well. I'm sure she does the best she can. But she hasn't delivered on okay. what the English Don people Don McCann, do you believe her premiership is a, a smokescreen of sorts? I think she's gone. I think she'll be yeah. gone mm. within the next week. Yeah, but uh, does look, that make two, a difference? Uh, no. Uh, two years ago, um, uh, they had the referendum. Two years before that, I was the first TD to call for a, a study to examine the impact of Brexit on Ireland because I saw the dangers then. I was against Brexit from day one, unlike Peter, who changed mm-hmm. his mind. Absolutely. The, the key thing for us, Michael, is around the border region, and I've visited businesses around the border region, that mm. we make sure that the trade deal that's going to happen... Mm-hmm between the European Union, us, and the UK, that it reflects Irish needs, that we promote our interests and that we get as mm. fair and a good deal as possible. We need adjustment I'm just funds. amazed that you're not concerned at the timing we, of this, going into the European adjust, elections, we, that the British Prime Minister is going to step down and Nigel Farage's party is going to uh, gain uh, 50% extra seats, quite possibly, uh, and what that's going to do to the public mood. Well, I've said before that there is, I believe that as long as Britain and British MEPs are in the Parliament, there will be chaos, because Nigel Farage and his ilk will make sure that they uh, create as much consternation in there as possible. We're going to have to mm. live with that until the British leave. But the British, in my view, they leave. I think they'll come back in 10 years. I think they're going to regret this. But the reality is, Michael, for the next 10 years, we have to work to make sure that our mm. businesses, particularly the ones exporting to the UK, that our businesses are protected, that they have the funds that yeah. they need to adjust to the new world. Alright, well, maybe in the Parliament they will cause chaos. Undoubtedly, that's what they'll set out to do, Fidel Mahili Eames. But uh, better to have them in than them to be out because that would mean that Brexit would have happened. Okay, I agree. Look, the Brexit extension, in my view, is an opportunity for whoever the new Irish MEPs will be that are elected. The facts of the matter is nobody has been telling our story in the UK. We are total victims of this vote. Number one, you've got Sinn Féin not taking their seats, not telling the story. The DUP are in their own world and the Irish government is largely reaching out to Brussels. Who is talking to the UK people? Like, we had an MP over there who said, what What would be wrong with a border like there was there during the Troubles? That's an abominable statement, and it was made because they don't know our story. We absolutely need a deal. I'm not sure and that in my, excuse me, in my view, if I'm elected as, in, as a new MEP tomorrow and the next few days, I will be reaching out to the British MEPs. 
And I will be talking to them about our story. Mm. And we need to find common ground and work with our respective governments to bridge a deal uh, into uh, well, Europe. I've seen and heard many of them in this country mm-hmm. talk about the border, yeah. visit yeah. the border yeah, was, and have complete when understanding. I was, when I was chair of the European mm-hmm. Union Affairs mm-hmm. Committee, we went over there on numerous occasions and we informed them and worked with them. And I know you were a member, yes, but we uh, didn't bring you with the, you. Sorry we now, didn't bring you Dominic, with that was pre-2016. The vote happened in and June 2016 and you and I were gone then. No, no, okay, and I were gone Peter Casey... P- Peter Casey finds this very funny. Two of them squabbling with each other. You know, Peter, what it is, you're nonsense. Let Peter Casey talk. My position is very clear. We've demonstrated that we can't negotiate. Ireland is hopeless at negotiating the way we look at what we did for the bondholders. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of bondholders getting a hundred? Wonderful. Oh, great, Fidelma. Yeah. Have you ever heard of bondholders getting a hundred cents in the dollar, another euro? Absolute nonsense. What we need to do is make sure we get exactly the same deal that Britain gets. Britain is the fifth largest economy in the on. world. We're they will get a good deal. They will get a good deal. You want us to exit with We need to get whatever deal Britain gets. That's the deal we best for Ireland. stand up for Ireland, That's the deal we need. That's what we need. That's exactly what we need. You know? We're staying in the European Union. We don't need the best deal. We need whatever deal Britain gets. No, well, Peter Casey says we should leave. I said we should get whatever deal Britain gets. We sure heard you on the telly the other night. Are you saying we should leave? Are you saying we should leave? Whatever deal Britain gets, the deal we But he is, Dominic. He is. He has. Whatever deal Britain gets. If the United Kingdom leaves with a deal, we should leave with the same deal. We have a common travel agreement, right? For Britain and the UK. We need... My a common Lord, agricultural that? agreement. So whatever, there's, so there's complete freedom. No, we're a small little economy, five million people with Mulcahy, access please. to we'll 500 million people of a market. Dermot, Dermot. Let's not blow that with, with please, Peter's mind. Please be idea. fair to the other candidates. Dermot, please. Yeah. Is, is there a question, Michael, here for me? <laughs> well, do you believe that we should stay or go? I don't believe it's up to me. I think if the Irish people decided that they wanted to leave, then and I was in Europe, I would follow through on that instruction. At the minute, we're part of the European Union. We're part of a very important family, if you want, for now. If the Irish people mm. decide we should do something differently, okay. I would follow through on that. All right. Uh, we were speaking with Karen Coleman earlier on about what MEPs can and can't do uh, and as to whether you can change housing or health policies or the shape of bananas, as uh, the case may be. Uh, but climate change uh, will be a, a big job of work for the next parliament. What are your thoughts on that, Peter Casey? Uh, there's no doubt we have a, a, a crisis coming down the pathway, you know, in 20 to 30 years. With, if we don't take action now in the environment, you know, we've got dolphins uh, swimming up in Loch Foyle, which is lovely, but they shouldn't be there. Mm. There's, you can't argue global warming is coming. And I don't believe a carbon tax is the, the answer because it simply taxes. It's a regressive tax. It taxes poor people. Uh, I believe we should uh, mm. tackle the, the producers and the polluters, the big people who are now, if you just turn around and give them a tax, and a penalty, they'll find a clever way to pass it on okay. to the end user. So, so, so we need you to, you have to give them incentives, name them and shame them, and the government has to sort of take over and make sure that w- there's a policy there that's, that we get rid of single-use plastics, that we get rid of uh, biodegradable bottles. The government has to step in, because the, 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 obviously the producers and the polluters mm. are not going to do it themselves. Okay, Dermot Mulcahy, you'd agree with some of that, I think. I would indeed, Michael. Uh, I used to chair the Greens National Council uh, so when the Greens were in government, I was actually the person driving a lot of the policy initiatives. Uh, I stepped down from that because I could see that what we were trying to do ideologically 
and what was happening politically weren't matching up, so I decided to move on. But in terms of climate change, there's a big, big debate to have around climate change. A lot of young people are scared of it without even knowing why. Lots of young people are saying to me when I ask them, so what do you know about climate change? Well, it's something we need to be scared about. What do you know about it? Well, we hear a lot of stuff about it. We need to educate people. There needs to be massive education about, with people mm-hmm. so we get people to buy into what needs to change. Yeah. There's stuff around fossil fuels. People are saying, okay, we're polluting the atmosphere with mm. carbon. But we don't want carbon wind dioxide. turbines. Well, we want to make sure that we're changing because we need to transform something. Mm. Eventually, fossil fuels will run out, whether we use them or whether well, we don't. We all agree that something needs to be done and we all agree that we don't want to do this, that or mm-hmm. the other. But what do we do? Mm. Well, that's the question. It's, it's the, yes, the Dermot, biggest Dermot, thing, the biggest then, thing we need to do is we need to get everybody to buy into whatever it is we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and, I'm, and I'm going to say this, the young people okay. keep saying, mm. what are we doing? Well, tell them in 100 yeah. characters, I'd say, Dominic Anakin. <laughs> if we don't do something, we're going to see serious uh, repercussions in our area. What should There's, we do? For instance, coastal erosion around the Boyne Estuary. Mm. What we need to do is we need a unified approach across Europe. This is something that Europe needs to tackle. We can't just tackle this on our own, but we do need to act locally as well. I'd like to see something akin to what the, the Americans did after the Second World War, a Marshall Plan. So we need governments acting together. We mm. need employers, unions, students, old people all coming together to make sure that we make the changes necessary. This mm. is not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. But we don't have an alternative. We need to get the Americans and the Chinese to buy into yes, it. To we have to, absolutely. We have to get the whole... This is going to impact the whole mm. world, Michael. Mm. And we cannot... This is, this is like Kennedy said in the 60s. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to tackle the climate crisis because we have one chance to do this. Fidelma, you are right, Michael. It is a global mm. conversation that mm. needs to be had. And the EU needs needs to lead on this and in very small ways it can do this um, for example right now every farmer submitting their single farm application mm. right now they have to take out all the biodiversity areas on their land the wetlands mm. the the ponds the woodlands and they have to replace it with another piece of land that they're going to get paid for anyway. If Europe is serious about climate action, mm. but if you're let serious, you'd be calling in. for a reduction in the amount of cattle in the country, reduce the national herd. No, I, I want a global conversation on this, and I'll tell you why. You have in South mm. America, Somebody right? Else's problem. No, you, no, no. I want a fair, a fair, um, a, a fair, fair monies distributed mm. here. Let me tell you what I mean. Right now in South America, you have the rainforest has been felled by beef producers, by by beef farmers. Mm. We produce beef 11 months of the year, great supply of safe food, grass-fed, right? That's the better food for the consumer. Why, aren't, why isn't Europe subsidising those people in South America okay. to stop felling their lands? Okay, you can all see the clock and unfortunately, yes, we whilst we could talk forever, we've another debate. Uh, we'll do the opposite uh, in terms of how we finish up uh, to how we started. Uh, we'll go right to left. 30 seconds please, Peter Casey. Uh, we have a crisis in rural Ireland. Without a doubt it needs to be tackled. Broadband is the biggest con job. The answer is 5G now, there's two types of 5G. There's 5G mobile, 5G fixed broadband. 5G mobile is the one where you have to have amassed every uh, you know thousand metres. Totally against that. 5G fixed broadband, you go to the cabinet, you get a, a fibre optic cable, you run up a mast and you can... You can transmit it out. Is it a European issue? It's absolutely, because we can get funding for Europe to, to put this in okay, place. Okay. So, and we won't be wasting three to five billion. Fidelma Healy Ames. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. And I, I hope I've shown you that I have the motivation, the experience and caring disposition to represent you well and to bring forward solutions to all our issues at a European level. If elected, I will be accountable to you and I will set up a network of services um, to be available to you across the region. 
Ultimately, the decision is yours on Friday. I'm asking you for your number one vote for Fidel Mahili Eames and to follow your preferences for Michael O'Dowd. Okay. Dominic Hannigan. Thanks, Michael. As somebody uh, from Drogheda who represented the Mead area, I know the issues that affect people in the, uh, in the area. I'm used to working with people. I was the chair of the European Union Affairs Committee. I want to work on issues like climate change, on getting investment into our towns and making sure that people have great places to work in. So I'm asking people for the number one vote. Okay, and Dermot Mulcahy. Uh, thanks, Michael. Good morning, listeners. At the moment, I think people really require hope. I'd like to help bring some hope to people. I'm a very good listener. I really hear what people have to say. I'm also very, very experienced. Now, if you deem me worthy to represent you, I'd be honoured to take up that challenge for you. Thank okay. You. Thank you very much indeed to each of you for coming in and uh, best of luck in the closing hours of the campaign. Uh, Michael died my number. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be delighted. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening down the road. Uh, our thanks uh, to Dermot Mulcahy, independent candidate, uh, Dominic Hannigan of uh, the Labour Party, Fidelma Healy Eames, an independent candidate, and Peter Casey, also an independent candidate. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael. Plenty already in in relation to the European elections. And um, we had a caller who wants to know what way does the transfer votes work, in particular with the independents. And I'm assuming it's the same as mm-hmm. every other election, is it? Yeah. That yeah, that they, they that they transfer as as people are um, eliminated. eliminated yeah. mm-hmm. um, Mark was in touch. Doesn't think that Lisa Smith should, should Lisa Smith even should be allowed back into Ireland. She trained people from Islamic State to fight against soldiers, and he's worried about that. John, mm. Well, she's an Irish citizen, and I suppose that was uh, the purpose of the question in the debate. And I should mention that that's just the first of two debates. We've yes. another European election debate coming up presently. Mairead from Drogheda feels that the power now is in Brussels. So many decisions are made in the European Parliament and she feels there really is a need to have strong representation from Ireland. And she would say to people that you need to go out and vote in this election and choose wisely who you're going to vote for. Okay, yeah, well, you've little time (laughs) to make up your mind now at this stage, yeah. Uh, a mead listener says, I was a big supporter of Dominic Hannigan and delighted to see that he's back in politics. Just a pity he disappeared for so long. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure uh, Dominic Hannigan will be delighted to hear that, yeah. And Bern- thank you, Mrs. Hannigan. <laughs> Bernie from East Mead. Uh, in relation to the European elections, elections, she says that she's listening into the debate. Uh, most of her life, she says that she's dealt with people, whether it's doctors, nurses, care workers, people in shops, uh, and they've come from all over the world. Mm. And the reason why she meets them in these areas is because they are working. Mm. She takes exception to the suggestion from Peter Casey that people coming here are spongers. She says the very minority of people would be spongers and that he must be able to remember his Irish history. How many people from Ireland went to work abroad? She says her own family of ten, seven of them mm. went abroad, reared their families there and were all very welcome 
wherever they went, they all went to different parts of the okay, world. Okay, well, in fairness to Peter Casey, he does say uh, that uh, people don't come here, well, then the Irish shouldn't go abroad in the same way. There should be the same restrictions that uh, unless you've got everything set up in advance uh, that you shouldn't be going, let's say, as a young person to Germany over the course of the summer mm. without enough money or uh, employment, as the case may be. Martin says, Michael, while Peter Casey has a right to air his views, please don't give him any more openings to platform his malignant views on immigration and emigration. Another listener, does Peter Casey still have his green card? I'm wondering. And is also wondering, uh, while he says he personally pays tax in Ireland, does his companies pay tax in Ireland? Uh, another listener says uh, on the European elections, Michael, it's good to see that there are new candidates out there, that there is a lot of independents who haven't really been involved in politics before or have been out mm. before. Um, we also had a comment from John and he says he's been listening very. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Closely to the debate and I suppose he's also speaking about Peter Casey and says that if someone comes here and is prepared to work and wants to make a better life for themselves, then what gives us or anyone the right to stop them from doing that? Obviously, if they are choosing to come and live here, then the situations they are leaving cannot be great and we should give them that chance. What kind of country are we turning into if we can't give people a second chance at a better life? People who object to allowing migrants into the country must not have a charitable bone in their body. So that's the comment from John. Okay. Uh, we also had a listener uh, from Dundalk who says that uh, it's t- Tony from Dundalk. Peter Casey is just saying what everyone else is thinking, but is afraid to say it. OK. So that's so, it. OK. Um, can I go then just mm-hmm. moving from the European elections in relation to the local elections? Uh, we had a comment from a listener who says that uh, during the week there was some comments made about the people were fed up seeing politicians once every five years that in other words they were never around at all see them in between yeah this listener Mm. says disagrees says as a floating voter at least uh, three different councillors from three different parties have called to my home on numerous occasions to help with various issues now this listener is from the Kells Mm. area says as a result there have been many improvements locally over the last five years further progress remains on a number of issues in our area but fair play to these councillors 
who have done their best over the past five years because this is a myth when it comes to councillors in my own town. Yeah, and I think it's a, a myth, generally speaking, or something uh, that people believe uh, when they haven't had something that they needed help with or didn't look for help with. I think the councillors generally have their ear to the ground and know what's happening. And uh, I think, generally speaking, they all do a very good job and are very in tune with their local communities and are there to help and are quite willing to help and find out when there are problems and make themselves available. Otherwise, people quite often go to their local councillor when there's a problem in their lives. And I think uh, the experience is usually very positive. Have we time for one more? Of course we do, yeah. Margaret on local elections as well. Margaret was in touch in relation to PACs. And Margaret says that she feels that anybody running in the local election should should state beforehand if they're going to enter a pact with another party because she feels that pacts sometimes are the ruination of councils mm. because it doesn't really leave it to open decisions and she feels that that should be stated categorically before okay. people. Well it is all part of a democracy, uh, it's uh, something that uh, you can ask uh, the candidates about yourself uh, when they're on your doorstep or if uh, you encounter them otherwise uh, but generally speaking they are available to you uh, but uh, I suppose that's up to all of us to inform ourselves before we go out to vote tomorrow All right, we'll finish on that Michael Okay, thank you indeed for that Marie and thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us If you'd like to add to what's been said as always we'd love to hear from you Our telephone number is 1850-715-958 Michael Reed on LMFM candidates in uh, this constituency for you to choose from when you go to vote in uh, the European elections uh, tomorrow. We've heard from four of uh, the candidates already this morning. We're about to hear from another four now and we welcome independent candidate Luke Ming Flanagan, Fianna Fáil candidate Brendan Smith, Matt Carthy who's a candidate for Sinn Féin and Dr Dilip Mahapatra who's an independent candidate. Good morning to each of you and thank you for coming in to us uh, this morning. As with uh, the last debate, we'll ask each of you to make a a very brief opening statement beginning on my left going around to the right so if I could ask Luke Mink Flanagan to begin for us this morning In the last five years uh, I have strived to inform people as to what's coming down the line from the European Union whether that be the threat of a European army a Minister for Finance for Europe copyright directives and many different areas but also what I've done is I have acted as a legislator and I have to say I've been surprised at the cooperation that I've received from committee members on the Agriculture and Rural Development Committee uh, when they supported my amendment on full convergence of farm payments by 2026 this will mean at least one 150 million euros extra into this constituency flowing out of other areas of the country. This money will end up in the pockets of uh, farmers initially, then in the pockets of mechanics, hairdressers, teachers and the local economy and it will benefit everyone. If I get back again in September, I will push this even further with an amendment on front loading, which could potentially mean up to a quarter of a billion euros extra for the Midlands Northwest economy. Thank you. Brendan Smith. Um, thank you very much. There are enormous challenges facing the European Union. Take it Brexit, international terrorism, adequate funding for the European Union budget and for CAP. I've had the privilege of representing Cavan Monaghan over a considerable period of time, both as a Dáil deputy and also serving in government. I've, I have represented that constituency, this border region, in bad times and in better <coughs> times. I have an ingrained understanding of the challenges our region faces, particularly as a result of beg- Brexit. And there will be nothing, only adverse and negative impact from Brexit for our region. More and more decisions will be taken at EU level that would affect us on a daily basis. I want to fight to protect the programme 
progress that has been made on this Ireland. I want to fight to minimise the impact of Brexit. And I believe that my experience, both at parliamentary level and the Council of Ministers, I'm the only person standing in this election who has been a, a government minister. I believe that th- that experience will stand to me. And it's not the loudest voices we need in the European Union, but it's the most effective. I believe that Ireland will send MEPs to the European Parliament who are positive in relation to the European Union, who want the European Union to work better for all its citizens, all the citizens of Ireland and all the citizens of the European Union. I will be diligent, I will work hard and I will work constructively, building alliances with with members from other member states. That's the type of work and passion I would give to the job if I gain the confidence of the electorate. Thank you. Dr. Dilip Mahapatra. Um, Thank you, Michael. My main focus will be on the health system in Ireland. I will try to improve the health system, which is actually under severe stress over the last 10 years. We have problem overcrowding in the emergency departments. We have problem with the medical assessment unit. We have problem getting patient in to the outpatient. There's a huge waiting list. Uh, I think about 700,000 at the moment. You know, So that needs to be looked at very closely. We have uh, funds in the EU that's called the health program funding. So if I do get in, that will be one thing I'll be aiming at. The next consideration would be that's how we do it. You know, at the moment, we are just managing the health system, but the time has come to solve the health system. You know, so we have a lot of people putting their effort in, but there's no innovation at the moment. So we need to create innovators in the health system that will take care of our general practice, that will take care of our hospital doctors and our frontline staff. And that's the way okay. to go forward with it. The next thing would be the students. We have a student crisis with the accommodation problem, with the problem uh, with the scholarship and funding. And third would be our 74% of the population in the rural area, the Thank farmers. You. We have problem with the CAPS payment. We have problem with their um, uh, Pillar 2 payments mm. and okay. uh, the um, associated you know, greening fees. And, uh, and we may get the time yeah. to go into yeah. more detail okay. on some of those issues. Right. Let's uh, hear from Matt Carthy. It's been my privilege and honour to represent the people of this region and I hope the re- my record in the European Parliament to the listeners in the LMFM region speaks for itself. On the biggest issue that has faced our country, Brexit, the team of Sinn Féin MEPs in the European Parliament made a definitive and defining um, impact. We were the first party to propose special status which effectively became the backstop. We were the first party to put forward proposals for an emergency fund for sectors and regions that were adversely affected by Brexit. We were the first party to organise and European Parliament delegation to the border region, including to County Mead and Loud. We also put forward proposals that were an impact directly on people's lives and we did work that would impact on people's lives here. So in relation to the North-South Connector and the case for Underground, and we brought that directly to to Brussels. This election on Friday is about sending a message to Dublin and to Brussels. We don't. We need to send a message to this out-of-touch, money-wasting government, okay. but we also need to send a message to the European Union. Send we don't to want London. €13 billion mm. Euro mm. sent to create a European Common Defence Fund. We want that money instead invested in housing and in public S- services S- across S- our send, region. S- send a message to London now, uh, if we can uh, begin the debate by talking about Brexit. Who would be your preferred successor to Theresa May? 
I've always been of the view that it doesn't matter who a British Prime Minister is because a British Prime Minister will act in the first instances in the best interest of the people of England primarily and the rest of Britain following that. Would you prefer to be a member of the Conservative Party or Jeremy Corbyn? Uh, In other words, do you want a a general election? Do you want another vote on Brexit? Or, or, Or where do you see this going from here? What I want is for the British political system to pick a position in relation to Brexit. The difficulty has been that we've been dealing with a set of contradictory positions that have come in fairness from both the Labour Party and Mm. the Conservatives who have both said essentially the same thing which is that they intend to take the North of Ireland outside of the Customs Union while at the same time avoiding any hardening of the border in Ireland. That's a fundamentally contradictory position to have and that is why we have brought the case beyond London, straight and directly to Brussels in order to ensure that we brought the European Commission to a position where the fundamentals of protecting the Good Friday Agreement and all of its part, protecting the Irish peace process, protecting the all-Ireland integration that we have seen over the past number of decades to, to flourish. And that is why it has been so mm. important that we've had an all-Ireland team, a team of Sinn Féin MEPs that represented every single blade of grass on this island because we were able to bring a unique perspective to the European Parliament that has been acknowledged okay. by some of the major and senior negotiators in the process. Okay, Dr. Dilip Mahapitra, do you believe uh, that what happens in London will have an important consequence on the lives of people here and across the European Union? Yes, I do believe that, you know, because whatever will happen in Westminster is going to impact us. And uh, the reason for that is we are closely linked economically to the uh, United Kingdom. A uh, lot of our exports, especially the agriculture goods, you know, mm. finished consumer <laughs> but, but, goods are but, going that way. I, I suppose I'm asking about the solution. Do you believe uh, uh, that the, we should have a, a, a leadership contest, another referendum or a general election? Um, I think we should have a, a referendum, you know, because a lot of uh, people who have voted yes in the first one actually have considering and you know, reconsidering their stance is not uh, good for a member country of uh, the EU to leave the um, European mm. Union. They had their advantages. Um, so uh, I would see that the way to go forward is to have a referendum or so that, let people yep, they should have a referendum more accurately. And put then put only mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can think of leadership <laughs> challenges or change or even a general election. So the mm. way to go forward for me is to take the people into confidence and get a referendum. Brendan Smith, what do you think is in the Irish interest or is in uh, our best interest? Oh, of course, it would be great if there was a referendum provided Mm. the decision was reversed. (laughs) Knowing Mm. both... Do you think it would be? I don't know. I have conflicting opinions from friends who are both Mm. members, MPs from both the Tory and the Labour parties that would give you mixed views. A few friends of mine who are very strong anti-Brexiteers would not be confident that the re- well, is, is the referendum taking place today uh, I mean they say Nigel Farage yeah. is uh, going to increase his uh, uh, place in the European Parliament by about 50% going from about 24 yeah. to 34 they, seats. Ha- they haven't taken the European Parliament election seriously but if, sadly we don't have a nationalist voice in Westminster today there are seven Sinn Féin MPs who draw down expenses but they don't attend Westminster there's nobody to stand up for the people of Northern mm. Ireland in Westminster that's a shame could I just would say you like to pledge your 
loyalty to the Queen? No, I wouldn't. Oh. But, 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 yeah, <laughs> well, which I, is it then? <laughs> no, no, you don't. But what I'm saying is, well, that, what, yeah, what, we, what, we is, need, what is it about the Windsors that you like yeah, so much? Hold on a second. We don't have an assembly. Hold on, you're you're on a border radio station. What is it about the Windsors that you like so much? Yeah, well, why do you want Sinn Fein to go and pledge their allegiance? I didn't say it. I asked them to pledge their allegiance. What is that? Not a prerequisite. We don't have a representative vice for Northern Ireland, so we don't because the assembly and the executive are not like Fianna Fáil. No, just one second, let me finish. Um, We don't have an assembly or an executive in Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland to have one vice. The first public meeting in regard to Brexit on the island of Ireland Uh, was hosted by myself in July 2015, Uh, where I was very conscious that, unfortunately, the decision might go wrong. The the question is looking forward rather than retrospectively Ming. What what do you think is in uh, the best interest of the Irish people? Well, ultimately, it's up to uh, the British people who they elect uh, as their uh, Prime Minister. Uh, Politically, obviously, I would like to see someone like Jeremy Corbyn in there but what I like and what the British people like well they they might be different things but I would also respect uh, the right of the British people uh, to leave the European Union if they wish to do so but with those rights come responsibilities and their responsibility is not to leave a train wreck on the border and with the Irish economy and what they need to do is what at the end of the day they basically have to stay in the customs union stay in the single market they get their exit from the common fisheries policy the common agricultural policy policy and they get out of the European Court of Justice. But whatever they do, it cannot damage our economy. And one thing they've got to wake up to is this idea, if they come out with a hard Brexit, that it's somehow they'll be able to come back and negotiate a deal with the European Union without the backstop being mm. there. Well, sorry, that's going to be there any time into the future. So either they face up to reality now or they face up to it later. If they face up to reality now, they save their own economy, a lot of hardship and they save us an, an awful lot of hardship. But have they not already boxed themselves into a, a corner? The Parliament voted uh, against leaving without a deal. Yeah, well, look at uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Parliament uh, has done and said an awful lot of stuff except for come up with a, a solution. And uh, But there's one thing for sure, and I think uh, Brendan hit on it well there, the idea if there is a second referendum, there is no guarantee that they'll vote the other way. And I would be worried if there was another referendum that it would actually just uh, empower people like Nigel Farage to do even better still. But ultimately, they are going to have to stay in some form of a customs union and stay in the single market. Mm. Otherwise, they are going to end up with a train wreck of an economy. Is and the political, the political mm. chaos that's obviously within the Conservative Party now, that exacerbates the difficulties in dealing with the issues. So we're in very uncharted waters, to, to use that particular phrase. But the reality is you take businesses in Loud, Mead, Cavan, Monaghan, wherever, <coughs> who, who would be hoping to make decisions based on some stability in regard to currency. And we know there has been fluctuation and a, and a, d- a decline in the value of sterling. That impacts on our people, mm. be it Loud, Mead, Cavan, Monaghan, wherever, who, who sell forward, mm. who are producing product, working very hard to mm provide employment to meet the standards to che- to sell in a competitive way so the chaos that that's in Westminster for the past two mm. years you could say at least that's impacting on our local job opportunities. Oh absolutely, at times there's great bargains just up the road uh, because of the difference in currency uh, and uh, in some ways And that, that type of, e- that transient economy mm. is, is never beneficial to either the northern economy or the southern economy. But in some ways so it's not. It, it highlights the problems of the European Union, does it not? Uh, I mean uh, because of... Well Euro- you would have stability if you hadn't the chaos, you would have stability between the, the euro and the 
and sterling generally mm. over the years, even though they're two different currencies, there has been that correlation and there has been stability. But since mm. Brexit, since June 2016, there has been fluctuation and that makes it difficult for people trading, people doing business and people purchasing or buying mm. for, or selling forward products. We all know that if a person manufactures a product here mm. in But because the, we're they tied they into the, the European Union and in particular the Euro, uh, yeah. our hands are tied mm. and we've learned that uh, particularly after the crash uh, because we would have otherwise devalued the if currency we, if, if we had our if, own currency. If Brexit has taught us mm. anything, it's the difficulties that are created when you when divergences happen north and south economically and we talk about the currency fluctuations and this is why it's so important that people recognise that Mm. there already has been a Brexit impact but it also means we need to be really careful in terms of economic proposals so the Mm. government (coughs) with the support of Fianna Fáil and the Labour Party and the Green Party are talking about the introduction of a carbon tax now apart from the Mm. fact that that is completely ineffective to deal with um, the climate crisis we're facing with it would actually cause it would actually cause businesses in this region Mm. to close because Mm. it would create a further divergence between prices north and south of the border. So anybody who's supporting the the, um, carbon tax in the context of a partitioned Ireland is actually arguing against businesses. The argument argument in the UK is that that will be a sovereign decision to make, that that will be one that they will make or will not make themselves, that it will not be imposed on them by the European Union in the same way that they can I would be the the strongest advocate for national sovereignty and unfortunately... That there will not be all these things that Emmanuel Macron wants for example, uh, greater uh, integration in terms of budgets. And you won't, fi- uh, and European you won't, finance and you won't find and a stronger voice in defending Irish sovereignty. We've been attacked by Fianna Fáil during the course of this election mm-hmm. for campaign against the Fiscal Compact Treaty. Yet the Fianna Fáil manifesto is seeking a relaxation of the rules that they actually negotiated yeah, while in that, government. That can, so be, the, the, that can be done within the Fiscal Treaty. Yeah. That's the reality, Matt. But the, the Fiscal uh, Treaty Compact Treaty the, has tied the hands of Irish but, governments. But and you're, Ming you're Flanagan, let me go to Ming Flanagan because this is something that you've been speaking about. This move towards greater unity within the European Union, which is the goal, I think, and has been the goal of the three presidents now for some time. Yeah, it is. I mean, ever closer union is the dream of uh, most of the big groups over there. People like uh, Manfred Weber, who's the head of the EPP. He strives for something like this, the head of uh, ALDE. And look, in fairness uh, to Brendan, they're a mixed group and everyone can have their own opinion. But the leader of uh, uh, Brendan's group, if he gets in there, Giver Hofstadt, is quite clear. Full fiscal, economic, um, uh, military and monetary That's union. That's his personal opinion. And I, but I have just said that. Yes. I said in fairness to Brendan, but in fairness you could have listened to that because that was important that I actually gave you that leeway but anyways uh, going on the attack if we get elected to the European Parliament and myself and Brendan are there uh, I hope we can work together but that's a bad start when you don't even listen to what I'm saying the big big thing well fair enough then can I can I please the big big issue coming up in the next European Parliament is where we will spend our money and there's a thing called the multi-financial framework from 2021 to 2027 and we will be making a decision as to whether we will continue and rightfully so to spend money on feeding ourselves sustainability the environment uh, and also on rural development or we will go down another road and we will spend it on the European Defence Fund and the European Peace Facility I mean Orwell couldn't have invented that name for it because it's actually a war 
war facility. And what is proposed is a 2,200% increase in military spending and actually a reduction in the common agricultural policy budget. I support going down the road of feeding rather than fighting. But if you look at the voting records of the EPP, which includes Fine Gael, um, we see that Brian Hayes has voted for military mobility, which is to invest in our roads, not so that they're easier to drive on, so that it's easier for tanks and armies to get from A to B if there's a war in Europe. I do not support that. I don't support the idea of ploughing potentially an extra €5 billion extra per year into PESCO. We could build 25,000 houses every year instead of going down the road of buying bombs, bullets and guns. And I'll finish on this. There's one thing we have learned, in particular in people in this area, that it's less bombs, less guns and less fighting and less war that actually brings us towards peace. And talking is the solution. Incidentally, I just want to mention... The others would not be a good idea. I just want to mention that there was a, a Fine Gael seat available in our debates uh, today uh, and we had uh, agreed uh, that Mairead McGuinness would represent Fine Gael in the debates. Uh, unfortunately, she, she cancelled on us yesterday. Maria Walsh wasn't available That's just to mention Fine that. because think that they're entitled to people's votes. They're trying to distance themselves in one hand well, from I don't the know, actions of this And I'm government. not going to speak for but Fine Gael. the truth of the matter is, and mm. people need to know this tomorrow, uh, any votes for Fine Gael will be used by Owen Murphy as a vindication of his housing policy. They will be used by Simon Harris as a vindication well, of as his I say, housing policy. I'm not going policy, to speak be used for Fine Gael. I want to ask Brendan Smith about defence. Fianna Fáil, Fianna Fáil takes a, 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 a similar right, position to right. Fine Gael in terms oh, of European defence policy. Ab- does absolutely it not. Can I just say, the second Nice Treaty referendum introduced a provision in the Irish Constitution affirming that Ireland could not pass the triple lock in common defence without further amendment of the Constitution. We have the, the triple, triple lock in regard That's to the Fine Gael argument. No, 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 but, but hold on a second. It's the same thing. We have, we have the triple lock, but the triple lock it was there prior to the insertion of the Seville Declaration. Could I just say as you well... You support us signing up to PESCO? I, I support the, the, the... Do you support us signing up to PESCO? <laughs> on an opt-in basis. Now, PESCO is... But that's the Fine Gael position. No, no. no that's the Fine Gael position. PESCO is about cooperation on different projects. That is let, the Fine Gael position. Well, I'm outlining what the Fianna Fáil position is. Yeah, but I asked you... It's the same as the Fine Gael position. It's not the same as the Fine Gael position. And Matt, I speak for myself, Matt. And you know something, Matt? You, your people have gone around for, for no, years. No, hold on. Don't mind Matt for a moment because no, I did ask him. No, 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 because I did ask you a question. I, 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 my question was if Fianna Fáil's position on European defence was similar to that of Fine Gael. You said it wasn't. Uh, and then you made a number of points and continuously I said that's the Fine Gael position. So, but if you're speaking for Fine Gael now, I'm speaking for Fianna Fáil. No, I'm not speaking can for Fine Gael. I'm speaking for our listeners. PESCO is on, on an we've heard basis. We've heard opposing views yes, and I'm asking you if you have a different view or the same view as Fine Gael. It seems to me I, that I, the Fianna Fáil position on European defence is very similar to that of Fine Gael. That, it's not the same as Fine Gael. You, you, have, you have moderated what you said earlier. What I said is, we support um, projects on an opt-in basis on PESCO in regard to cooperation. Let us think about one thing. One of the projects is cyber security. One is maritime surveillance, where there's better monitoring and assistance given to, say, the Irish Navy when they're trying to rescue migrants and refugees in the Mediterranean. Mm. And none of us would oppose that. And we want to also well, we've been ensure... Doing that without well, we've just, been just one second. It's, it's, it's the Fine Gael position. Up, it's the Fine Gael position. What about it's, the it's five billion per year? No, no, I'm saying... I want to hear from Dr. Dilip Matt.
Just, 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 one, just one second. Yeah. If you're very brief. Cyber security is one of the projects. Mm. Now, 42% of the European Union's data is stored in Ireland. Cyber security is a huge issue for all countries. We need to ensure that we prevent any potential cyber attacks. An island okay, that, operating on its own. We need cooperation in preventing That might bring us to the likes of Huawei and Donald Trump's views on this. Before before we do, please, can I just to give some time to the other candidates, Dr. Mahapitra, on defence. First thing is, I actually want to say something about the carbon tax, you know, which Matt had discussed earlier on. Um, carbon tax as such um, should not be considered, you know, because we have an alternative. We have a carbon credit. And the, how the carbon credit works? The, the carbon credit, you can create units and you can actually distribute it to the households, to um, uh, the groups of companies or small, you know, um, uh, industrial, you know, or SMEs or whatever. And um, they would actually have that as a cut-off point, you know, so, because they are not the big polluters. The big polluters are the multinational and big industries, and they pollute a lot. So they'll be a cut-off point. So most of the households, uh, the small farms or um, the small businesses would actually get a credit for that, and it won't go beyond their means to actually have a payment, you know, as an indirect tax. So that's what I'm suggesting. Now, looking at the uh, the climate change linked to the carbon tax, because that's where it is coming from, uh, the climate change in itself is not going to help us much unless we take proactive, you know, you know, um, actions for it. And what I will suggest is not looking at the climate change per se, because that will only reduce the global temperature uh, to about 1.5 degrees Celsius over a period of 50 years if you stop all the carbon emission. So that's not going to help us okay. much. So what we are looking at the alternative scenario is carbon repair. So we do a carbon repair proactively. That means all the industrial gases, actually the emissions, they are trapped. So there's an entrapment which you can do by treating it and storing it underground. That forms peat. And peat actually absorbs a lot of carbon dioxide. And this is the cheapest Mm -hmm. method of doing it. The second one is to actually consider having um, salt water or seawater spraying through standalone rigs, you know. That will do the clouding Mm -hmm. um, absorption of carbon dioxide and that will reduce the emission as such. And the other method is actually the start of the whole problem, you know, that we have deforested the earth, you know, so we can actually go into that situation. I'm just going to go to to a different topic, and I I just want to to, to start with uh, Dr. Dilip Habatra. Donald Trump uh, will be visiting here in about a a fortnight. Uh, Will you protest against that visit? Yeah, well, see, um, my honest opinion is that uh, Trump is not a states, uh, no, statesman, you know. He makes a lot of comments, um, mm. and in his position, he should not be doing that, you know. So um, basically, that has created a lot of problem all over the world. So he, uh, to me, he makes statements which actually confuses a lot of people, including his mm. own ad- administration. Okay. So in that case, I don't know where it's going. Will you know. protest? I will, yeah. Yeah, Matt Carthy, you will protest? Yeah, um, yep. um, possibly. Okay. But I want to go back because this is a really important point in relation to the budget and the, um, and the European Defence um, Fund <laughs> because the, Brendan's going to insist till the cows come home that that's not an EU army. What it is, and nobody can dispute this, is a new line, a new line, in, a new, in a new line. Army. the proposal is 
The proposal that as it currently constitutes is this, that Irish people will pay hundreds of millions of euro mm. into the, an increased EU budget, of which 13 billion euro will go to a common defence fund. Now that hundreds of millions of euro can either be spent in that way, which is what are being advocated by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, or it can be spent that on housing incorrect and health again. and okay. other public More services. Fake news from that, that. Is specific it, proposal it, it, that is laid down. Are you Fianna, telling us now Fianna here Fianna on the record Fianna that you're going to impo- uh, oppose an increased Fianna Fianna EU budget? Fianna Fáil okay. does not support an EU Okay, Ming. Okay, we can't hear either of you now, so we can just hear you, Ming. Your mic is live. If you can speak, because... It just sounds ignorant if everyone talks together. Sorry. The proposal is actually to increase our contributions by 360 million euros Mm. every year into the EU budget. Now, if this money was to definitely end up in trying to do something about climate mitigation, something about biodiversity for our farmers or for cohesion and rural development, I would support it. But sadly, this money is going into a soup. And once it goes into that soup, we don't get to choose exactly what we take back out of it. What I think we should do But we're already the croutons, aren't we? I mean, we've uh, just signed up uh, to going in searching for explosives in contested territories. Well, what I think we should do with that 360 million euros instead is to leave it here in Ireland and actually spend it here directly on climate mitigation services. But in relation to Donald Trump and coming out and protesting, I think we should, if he does come, we should form a very unique protest. What we should do is stay in our houses and stay in our homes on that day and leave the streets empty. And when he does come out and he comes to this country, let him see tumbleweed rolling by. And the reason why I would say we should put out that symbolism there is because he is a misogynist, he is a racist. And you've got to ask yourself the question, should we invite a man here uh, who you wouldn't actually be comfortable leaving in, your, in a room on their own with your 16-year-old daughter. That is a disgusting individual. Brendan but if Smith. he does come mm-hmm. here, what I say is we ignore him like you should do with anyone what do you who's think looking Brendan for Smith? bloody attention. Yeah, but it's it's the office of... It's, he was he was invited here by... Mm. by He's Mr. blood in his hand, so doesn't he? Yeah, I, 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 I don't... I detest... Whatever, but doesn't he have blood? He has Venezuelan blood on his hands, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I detest everything that Mr. Trump stands for. And of course, I recall a picture some years ago of him attending a Sinn Fein fundraiser with Mr. <laughs> Adams. So, so this is the man that Matt's going to protest against. If you were, if you were in America, the office Brendan, of president. I haven't been able to answer a question no, yet no, without hold, uh, referring to me. Well, well, you give the Fianna Fáil position for once. The Fianna Fáil, we don't, I've been campaigning we, we with respect, you for the past three weeks. I don't yeah. know where you actually stand on a single issue. Fianna Fáil's yeah, well, policy in this election is get Matt, get Ming, get Fianna Gael. Well, hold on. Okay, I'm Matt. Matt, 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 you are the man that's dishonouring this election. Are you going to represent this constituency for five years? Michael, can I come in? Brendan Smith, will Brendan Smith, just to go back to the question, that please, 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 everybody, please, everybody, please, please, Brendan Smith, will you protest against the visit of the American? No, I won't. But I won't attend any any. If if I was invited to some event, I wouldn't attend. It's the office of the President of the United States. I have respect for. I don't have any respect for Mr. Trump. Do you have? Do you have respect? 
respect for American foreign policy. No, I, I differ with American foreign so policy. So why do you have respect for the office of but the president? Why, 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 no, no, but, do you but, think but, about but, planes landing at Shannon if you no, have yes, respect for their policy? I, I, bombing children and killing Matt, them. Matt, leaving them starving. Uh, leaving them with nowhere to go. But I tell you, this is a great debate in regard to foreign policy of other countries. We should be in, What we are engaged in is ensuring that we send representatives to the European Parliament who will represent strongly the best interests of the okay. people of the border. Hold that thought for a moment because our time actually has run out and we're going to conclude with a, a, a brief closing okay. statement. We, as I said, we do it in the opposite direction beginning with Matt Carthy of Sinn Féin. Fine Gael need to be sent a message. Their representation here in Ireland and in Brussels has failed. We have a housing crisis, we have a health crisis and we have um, those policies also being enacted at a European level. A vote for me tomorrow will be a vote against the Vulture Funds sending a strong message that the EU Directive on Non-Performing Loans needs to be rejected. It will be a vote against an increased EU budget um, that will fund a common defence fund when that money will be better spent on public services here in Ireland. It will be a vote for good representation. It will be a vote on the basis of my record of strong work over the past five years and on the Sinn Féin policy platform that is about creating a better and a fairer and a united Ireland in a radically reformed European Union. Okay, Dr. Dilip Mahapatra. Independent candidates have the advantage, you know, um, by taking instruction from the people itself, you know, and they don't have a political party to refer to, so there's a clear uh, advantage. Uh, if I do get in, as I said earlier, my main focus will be on the healthcare reforms, which is pending for such a long time. The other would be uh, to look into the problems the students are having, uh, including the accommodation, which is uh, not being provided for, especially for third-level students in the universities. They have to find very ex- expensive places outside the university campus. Um, the grant scheme is not adequate. We have $27 billion euros of uh, grant funding across the member states. We need to get more of that into uh, Ireland and basically that will um, service nearly about uh, 11 to 1200 people, you know, um, students. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. other thing I would also represent if I get in there, the farmer's interest, Mm -hmm. the fisherman's Mm -hmm. interest, the timber industry, the SMEs and the self-employed people. Thank you you there Uh, and uh, ask Brendan Smith of Fianna Fáil to continue. Ireland and of course Europe are facing a number of threats from Brexit, from populists on the left and right and from Eurosceptics who want to disrupt the European Union. We must face down these threats with with MEPs who understand the importance of being constructive at the European table. I believe that I have the experience, determination and commitment and effectiveness to work tirelessly for five years in the European Parliament should I be elected. I'm the only person running who has participated in the Council of Ministers. I have widespread parliamentary experience. I want to bring that experience to the European Parliament to work effectively, cogently and strongly in the best interests of all constituents. I will not be found wanting. I give a commitment that if I'm selected, I will work for represent the people for five years. I have a proven track record as a public representative in standing up for farmers, for small businesses, for the, for the most vulnerable in society and for rural communities. We need that strong, effective voice in the European Parliament and I would be glad to be that voice for this region. Thank you very much and we'll conclude with independent candidate Luke Ming Flanagan. Uh, MEPs who are elected into the next European Parliament will have a big decision to make, whether we spend our money on feeding or whether we spend it on fighting. The proposal at the moment from the European Commission is to increase the money that's going going to go into war by 2,200%. 
I think we should leave that money in rural development. I think we should leave it in creating sustainable food. I think we should leave it uh, with doing something about uh, uh, averting the biodiversity crisis that's coming down the line. And I think we should concentrate the core of the European Union on issues that benefit people, not that actually harm people. And if you want to put 360 million euros of your money into a war machine, then I suggest you vote for the main political parties. If you don't, I suggest you vote for people like myself. Thank you very much indeed. Luke Ming Flanagan, independent candidate. Brendan Smith, a Fianna Fáil candidate. Matt Carthy of Sinn Féin. And Dr Dilip Mahapatra, an independent candidate. Uh, that's uh, the end of that debate with the four candidates you've just been listening to. The second of two debates we've had today. We've heard from eight candidates in this constituency. Overall there are 17 candidates. The other candidates who are standing for election tomorrow are Cyril Brennan of Solidarity People Before Profit, Patrick Green of Direct Democracy Ireland, Mairead McGuinness of Fine Gael, Saoirse McHugh of the Green Party, James Miller who's an independent candidate, Olive O'Connor, an independent candidate, Michael O'Dowd of the Renewa Party, Anne Rabbit of Fianna Fáil and and Maria Walsh of Finnegal. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, let's conclude our programme today with Daniel McConnell, who's political editor with uh, the Irish Examiner. Good morning to you, Daniel. Good and morning. thanks for joining us. I suppose uh, the debate is over at this stage. The talking is over and it's down to the people. There's a, a lot for the people to decide. Uh, do you expect many people to be making their decisions tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, these are often regarded as sort of secondary elections because they're not, you know, they're not the general election um, here in Ireland. And, you know, because they run normally midterm uh, in terms of the uh, the, the Dáil terms, they're often seen as a, an opportunity for the public to, to give the government of the day a bit of a kicking. Uh, and often, you know, the focus is on other you know issues other than, say, the economy uh, or the health service or, or the main issues that come to the fore during a general election campaign. I think what we've seen this this time round is a real focus in on green and environment issues and you know particularly Midlands Northwest I think the, the performance of Saoirse McHugh has sort of uh, captured the imagination of a lot of people particularly young people and certainly around Leinster House she was being regarded yes she is the star performer anyone you talk to she, she was deemed to be the star performer in the debate on television the other night so that will be certainly one fascinating story to watch now over the coming days where as the, as the counts proceed but ultimately you know, it, you know these things come down to the battle of the big beasts mm-hmm. you know and, and uh, you know, Fine Gael are, are in the hunt for two seats in Midlands Northwest with Maria Walsh very much, you know, um, defying expectations really, or sort of uh, outdoing expectations. And she certainly is in the running for a se- for a second seat. You know, given Mairead McGuinness is likely to poll well over a quota. Um, but the story also then is is what happens to Fianna Fáil. You know, they had hoped for two seats. I think that's unlikely. I, I think Anne Rabbit is probably going to fall uh, considerably short of, of a quota this time round. But, you know, all eyes then are on, you know, is Brendan Smith strong enough to, to get that one seat that, that Fianna Fáil and Michal Martin are, are certainly hoping for? Would you agree that the climate is very different for this election than it has been for recent elections? People are, generally speaking, happier in their lives. The anger that we would have uh, become almost accustomed to from the more recent election seems uh, to have gone away. And if that is the case, will it make much difference in terms of how people cast their votes? That's certainly true. I think if, if people were to cast their minds back to five years ago, we were in the teeth of a massive row within government around uh, the future of water charges, etc. And, you know, we had 
you know, two or three botched attempts at bringing in a water charging system, you know, when then, you know, right up to polling day, we had kind of rows between the Labour Party and Fine Gael as to standing charges, whether they would or would not be levied, you know, uh, you had Phil Hogan threatening people that they would, you know, if they didn't pay that you know, their supply would be reduced down to a trickle. It was a mess politically and the government parties got an absolute hammering and ultimately it led to the departure of Eamon Gilmore as Tornish did. Um, we're in a, I think we're certainly in a more benign uh, environment um, and I certainly think that's why I think both Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are, are looking a bit more secure than they were in 2014. I mean, it's remarkable to think that Brian Crowley was the only Fianna Fáil MEP elected in 2014. He obviously left the party subsequently, so they've had no MEP. They will at least, I think, have three MEPs. They could very well have four, um, depending on how the how the weekend goes. But certainly, um, you know, what you're what you're looking at is that's a, a remarkable revival for a party that has, you know, essentially, you know, held its hand up and, and admitted it was responsible for wrecking the economy ten years ago. Um, but you know, there are fascinating stories. You know, it's a real mm. test for Mary Lou Macdonald. Mm. You know, um, as Sinn Fein leader, you know, Lini Rita looks like she's going to hold her seat in in, in Ireland South. McCarthy looks like he'll hold his seat. In, in Midlands Northwest, and Lynn Boylan is in a bit of a fight to keep her seat in Dublin. And were they to lose one of those three seats that they have, that would be a real blow. Uh, on you know, in the wake of what happened in the presidential election last year, obviously they, they suffered a, a you know a, a considerable bloody nose. You know, Lini Reader really flopped you know, in terms of as a, a presidential camp, uh, camp mm-hmm. candidate. Um, but she looks, you know, her polling numbers are pretty good, and she certainly seems that she'll she'll keep her seat in Ireland. If you didn't need to think about Brexit, would uh, decide the timing of the next general election. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately that, that brings in, you know, the, the whole issue of a, the next general election brings into play McCarthy's situation because he has kind of essentially lined up to, to run for the doll as well. And he took some criticism uh, on that, on, both on the campaign trail in recent days, but he's done so on, on the television debate the other night from Brendan Smith uh, in particular. And that's a vulnerable point. I mean, you know, it, it happened with uh, candidate Mary Fitzpatrick in, in Dublin, you know, where she got herself, she was intending on running for both the council and for Europe in 2014, and it went against her big time. Okay. Uh, so I think it's a dangerous strategy, but I still think there's enough uh, Sinn Féin vote there to, to see him over the line. Well, people will decide tomorrow, obviously. Exactly. We've just run out of time. Daniel, thank you for your time and for joining us. Daniel McConnell, pol- political editor with the Irish Examiner brings our programme to its conclusion. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM podcasts. Brought to you with Cartman Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartman Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or at cartmancrosscu.ie.